Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Pastor Tony said it earlier that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. I remember as a young boy, I don't know how old I was, maybe eight or nine, used to go to church and they'd burn incense. So I'd go home and I'd burn incense because I wanted to be close to God. I wanted to show him my love. And then one day I was praying and the incense appeared in my room without me burning it. My room just filled with incense and it happened a few times. But that was God inhabiting my praises. That was God drawing near to me as I drew near to him. Psalm 142 says, Let my prayer be as the evening sacrifice that burns like fragrant incense, rising as my offering to you as I lift up my hands in surrendered worship. Our worship rises as incense to God. It goes up. Us lifting our hands is a sign of surrendered worship. God, we thank you that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And that's your promise. That's your faithfulness. It's not a maybe. It's not a sometimes. It's an always. We don't need our rooms to fill with incense to know that. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Your presence is with us tonight. We worship you. We welcome you. We thank you. We bless your holy name. And we thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Some things we'll know, some things we won't even know what's happening in this room tonight. As you come, as you minister, as you whisper, as you touch, as you speak, as you reach those who need to be reached tonight, as you heal those who need to be healed tonight, as you answer those who are questioning tonight, we give you the glory. We thank you. We bless your holy name. And we thank you for Pastor Tony. As he speaks your word, you anoint his tongue. You anoint our ears and our hearts to receive what it is you're speaking tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. All right. Welcome, everyone. I think I uh, started worshiping and no one was behind me. So I'm a bit shocked. I turned around and the room's full. So uh, awesome. Welcome. Uh, Some new faces. Uh, A warm welcome to you. We look forward to meeting you. And uh, God's going to move tonight, so I'm excited, I'm expectant. Right, John? That's right, John. Amen. Nodding. You may have heard Pastor Celio is coming from Brazil. It's all confirmed in uh, the first 
three weeks of May. So they arrive on the 1st of May and we're just ironing out the details of a conference probably in the second week. But he'll preach uh, the Wednesdays and the Sundays and there'll be other things going on. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you in the loop once we know more and once that, um, that schedule is, is finalised. But get excited, get expectant, get prayerful about that because God's going to move mightily. And uh, can we just uh, welcome, actually, kids? I think they've all gone upstairs. There's still a few in the room, but it's for kids aged four to four to twelve. So, if you uh, want to send your kids upstairs, the team will look after them up there. But otherwise, let's make Pastor Tony feel welcome tonight as he brings the word. Thanks, mate. Welcome. How good was the worship? Amen. Awesome. It's awesome to see your lovely faces and some faces I haven't seen for a while. So praise God, good to see you. <clears throat> you hear me okay? Some would say I don't need a microphone, but... Um, <clears throat> if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <clears throat> on Sundays and, and obviously on Wednesdays, where God is taking us is down the road of discipleship. Um, we can call it many different terms, but... The word, uh, the word of the Lord coming to us now is to go to another level, to be consistent in our walk with God. And consistency is something that we have to do. It's not what God makes us do. And I often say it this way where, um, you know, we just had New Year's Eve and how many people did the New Year's resolution? How many people failed in the first week? There's someone doing, was it a 75-day challenge? A guy at work is, I'm doing the 75-day challenge. It took him 75 minutes to break it. <laughs> so we want to do some things. You know, every year we'll say, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to get fit this year. I'm going to eat healthy this year. And it's all good. And we look at it and we say to ourselves, we want to we wanna be, but if you're not consistent in anything, let's say he goes to the gym once a year. And wonders why he hasn't, doesn't look like me, you know. Um, you don't get this body going once a year. You get this body going, I don't know. <laughs> but there's nothing gained by not being consistent. Amen? If you don't work at something, you're never going to achieve the results. Nothing in life. It's a fundamental law. Go to school once a year, go to work once a year, and then say, well, I don't have got a house and a car and all that. We've got to be consistent. One of the greatest obstacles for a believer is to stay consistent. And we're going to talk about this today, and I hope I can get it across to you. See, sometimes the, the power of the victory isn't in the miracle or in the getting together in the event. Because, you know, everyone's holy here right now. And then we go outside and we live like we've got holes. You know, it's easy to be a Christian in this atmosphere and praise God and we all love each other and the worship's great and... The preacher's unbelievable and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, it's not, God will not judge us on what we do here. God will judge us what we do at home. God will judge us what we do walk outside. You know, Mother Teresa, uh, Mother Teresa was asked a question. They went and saw what she did in, um, in India, looking after all the orphans and the most poverty of, of area in India. And they asked her, goes, mate, I, someone said to her, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars. She said, I wouldn't do what I do for a million dollars. 
but for the love of my Lord, I do it. And we're going to see here Paul, a bit of a life of Paul. In order for us to achieve anything in this kingdom. Now, everyone's at different levels. I get it. And when we hear the word discipleship or disciple, we automatically think the 12 disciples. And we automatically think preacher. Or automatically think missionary. But I want to tell you, can we put that up on the screen, guys? The definition of a disciple. This is just from Google. A personal follower of Christ during his life, especially the one, one of the 12 apostles. They were known as disciples. The second one is a follower or a pupil of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. So the word disciple, the meaning is to be trained by word and to act in deed. You can be trained by a word and not do anything that you've been trained to do. We Last week, I read about Peter and when he denied Jesus. And he said, um, this is big tough Peter who was going to go to jail for Jesus. And, you know, if they, all, he has, if they all betray you, I won't betray you. He goes, you're the first one to betray me. Before the rooster crows, you have denied me three times. And that's what happened. And the young girl walked up and goes, you with him. He goes, no, I don't know him. Young girl. He goes, no, you sound like him. Later on in the book of Acts, he gets arrested. And they go, you were with him. We can tell. One, first time he was with him, but he denied him. The second time, because of the acts of what he was doing, preaching the gospel and healing the sick, he goes, we know you're with him. You're just like him. See, that's what a true disciple is. A disciple that follows and trained and acts out what he believes. Amen? That's a true disciple. Put your hand up here if you love Jesus. Why don't you love Jesus? Maddie? Everyone's always a character in one room, you know. See, everyone here that confesses Jesus as Lord is a disciple. Not everyone's a preacher. Not everyone's a minister. Not everyone's a missionary. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone's an apostle. But we all are disciples of Christ because we all are discipled by Him, taught by Him, trained by Him, and lived throughout Him, through Him. Amen? And you have to ask yourself a question. You know, Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. He didn't say go making Christians or making uh, uh, converting Christians. He says make disciples. Because you can become a Christian and sit there and do nothing for the kingdom for the rest of your life. He still loves you. You go to heaven, but there are no benefit for the kingdom. But if you're a disciple, a disciple, what does he do? He disciples others. Amen? See, that's how the kingdom of God is established on this earth. Now, unlike some other people in the, in the Jewish culture, if you have a look at John the Baptist had disciples. It's a very common thing in the Jewish culture. A rabbi would have at least 12 students. So he would be in charge of 12 groups. And that was very common, this disciple, that disciple. And it was a very common thing because... It was more, these days we'd call it, we'd call it um, life coaching. We'd call it uh, financial coaching. We'd call it ba balanced creation. People's always mentoring you. We call it influencers and, you know, uh, mentoring. Huh? Crypto. You got some? But 
That's, in those days, it was very common to have disciples, very common to, to be taught. And all that meant was <clears throat> they come under the teaching of someone to learn to be better. If you're a rabbi or if you're in business, till this day, the Jews have at least, they say between six to 12 guys in their life training their children. You might be an expert in finances, health, um, in, in, the, in the Torah or whatever, and they're imparting into these people because they know that one person cannot tell and, 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 and teach someone everything. And God does it the same way. We are a body. He's the head and we're the body. That's why he ordained apostles and prophets and preachers and teachers and an evangelist for the work of the ministry. Why? To edify the body. Everyone's equipped. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's an apostle. So we can go around that road. But I want to read something to you today because I really want to encourage you today that God wants this group. Now, if you're here visiting for the first time, this could apply to you if you've been here for a while, whatever. God is raising up this group to act out what God wants us to do. In other words, we are going somewhere. We don't want to just tickle your ears every Sunday and every Wednesday. No, God wants us to grow up and mature in the things of the kingdom. Because the first thing he does before you're a disciple is make you a son and a daughter of the king. So in our discipleship, we become sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, bought by the blood of Jesus. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, delivered, set free, forgiven, and we are seated in heavenly places with him. Amen? You should be cheering louder. Because we are seated with him as children of the king. Because before you can do anything for the kingdom, you've got to know that you belong, that he purchased you at a price. So we've got to establish the fact that we've been forgiven, people. We've been, it's a done deal. It is finished, amen? Hallelujah. Three people. So let's go to Luke chapter 14. The message is about counting the cost. Now, when you, read, when you see a heading like this, because, oh, oh, what do I have to give up now? You got us praying. You got us fasting. You got us, uh, what, is, what, am I, what else do I have to give up? But tonight, I don't want to talk about what you should give up. I'm talking about where you have to be to stand firm in the faith that God has given you. Because I've been doing this a long time. I don't know everything. I've not always done it right. I've got some issues. I'm, you, you might not be messed up, but I'm messed up. I've got some issues. God's dealing with me just as dealing with you. So I won't tell you mine and you don't tell me yours, all right? But what I do know enough to know is that God has an order in the kingdom. God's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. Rab shared a story on Wednesday and had a very similar trait where someone come up to me and said, oh, I want to do what you do. Well, you willing to pay the price I'm paying. I'm happy to walk with you. Let's do it this way. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to give up nothing. I just want to do what you do. It doesn't work like that. Oh, but, you know, are you accountable to anyone? Oh, I don't need accountability. God is my accountability. Okay, beautiful. Heard that a million times. I'm only accountable to God, and Jesus is my authority. Beautiful. That's so true. If that's not the case, you're not a believer. But then it says, but then you wipe out 25%, 30% of the Bible. Who's your elders? If you get sick, can you go to the elders and get anointed? If you have an issue with a brother, can you go to your elders and then go to the church? There's so many different things in the scripture that tells us there's divine order because when the devil isolates ourselves, we get destructed. You know, the Bible says a man isolates himself to his own destruction. Now, we all want to be free spirits and we all want to do that. I get it. And it's not about control. It's about coming under God's order for protection. Someone said to me once, why do I need this? Why do I need that? I said, well, 
back off a bit. Let me ask you a question. And I've lived this. I have a pastor, an elder. Could be someone in the old lady, I had an old lady in the back of the church that taught me so much. She wasn't a pastor of the church, but she was an elder in the church. To me, she was. How, how is God going to speak to them for you and you're a baby if you don't give them that right? I've said this analogy before. The guy next door might have a family just like me. And the guy next door might be richer than me, smarter than me, raised better kids than me, um, made more money than me, did all the right things than me, hasn't seemed like me, but he still has no authority over my children. I don't care how good he does it because there's no, there's no connection there. But if I was to knock on his door and say, look, I want you to help me. I want you to mentor me. Then I've given him authority. Then God can work through authority. Why? Because I've given him permission to speak into my life, speak into my children's life. I can't go outside my house to go to someone else and knock on the door. Now, there is times where God sends you to share a word and someone might be you know, in trouble. But for me to mentor someone or to correct someone or to, or to even just to get into their world, that's not God. That's manipulation and control. But if I'm allowing God to work in my life and work in your life and we're all one and we commit it to one another, God can flow through the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't work through disorder. Does that make sense? I've been there. The question is, who can say no to you? It's not about, I'll get permission. Go, who can say no to you? Who can protect you? Story about a guy, I won't mention his name because you probably know him. On, he's pretty famous on the internet. He was in the church. He was getting mentored by a pastor. The pastor passed away now, but he was a pretty well-known guy. And he shared this story. He came out of witchcraft and, 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 God was, and God was really doing a massive work in this guy's life. And he was seeing someone in the church. So they're a bit older now. They weren't young. They were a lot you know, older, maybe 40. <laughs> and the pastor just didn't sit right, even though they were both in the church and they both loved God. And so the pastor came up to him and said, Brother, you know I love you. He goes, of course, pastor. And you know that I've been walking with you and I'd never want to hurt you in any way. He goes, oh, tell me, what is it? He goes, would you break this relationship for a season? I know you love her. I know she's in the church. I know you're in the church. But there's something, please, can you break this off just for a season and have some time apart in prayer to see if this is the right will for you and the, for the Father? And he honored his father, uh, pastor. He honored him as a father in the faith. And he did that. He didn't think everything was sweet because I'll do what he says. I'll approach the, the, the lady and we'll do it right before God. And we honor our pastor. Well, the minute he told her that, she manifested. Went crazy. And she said and did things for the next weeks following that he never knew that was in her. He walks up to his pastor and says, thank you. Because there was something hidden that was not revealed. But he honoured his leader. It wasn't to try and hurt anyone. It was to try and protect. Because sometimes something looks good from the eyes, but in the spirit is something that's wrong. You can go on your own. But God uses the, the, the body of Christ to work together. Amen? Because it's for protection. So we can bring fruit and glory to the kingdom. Amen? Here in Luke 14, 26. Do you want to read? AJ, if you don't mind. anyone comes to me and does not hate his father can you hear me yeah if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father 
and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, ca- that he has cannot be my disciple. Amen. What I want to focus on this is, go back to the first word, if anyone comes up and does not hate, and this is the funny one, everyone's looked, hate my mother, what kind of cult's this? Father, my kids, my brothers, my sisters, what he's saying is it's not hatred in the sense, I hate you. Because if you stop there, but it's what he's trying to say here, that if your love for your father and mother and children, and yes, even yourself, is greater than the love of God, you'll never fulfill God's call on your life. You will not know how to love your wife and your mother and your brother unless you know the love of God first for your life. You can never raise your kids in the manner of God if you love them more than God. See, some idols have to start falling off the perch, people. Being married is not the only purpose if you're single. Your relationship with God is more important because you're not, if you're broken, you marry another broken person. Guess what? You've got two broken pieces. You're going to make a full piece. And we can go around the wall about this. He says, if you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What happens on a cross? You what? What happens on a cross? You die. Now, you're, this... Taking up your cross isn't the burden I have in this marriage. Oh, Lord, why did you give me this wife? Or the wife saying, why did you give me this husband? That's not your cross. You don't know what village she came from. <laughs> you don't know what family she's from. You have a mother-in-law or have an outlaw. No, that's not your cross. Oh, I'm sick and I have to look after her. She's always upset. She's always... That's not your cross. That's life. <laughs> the cross is that you die on that cross. We can go to a hundred scriptures. We don't have to go there. You've heard enough of dying in this church, yeah? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. We know all these things. I'm going to deny myself to my own opinion. See, if you don't learn to die, then wrong opinions about yourself will still live in you. So I'm going to deny every opinion that I have about myself. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. Oh, that hit a nerve somewhere. That you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see Christ or do you see you? Because I don't want to look at me anymore. I want to die. So I want him to live. See, if, if, if it's all about me, and not about him, you say, well, hang on. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I love myself through him because he died for me. Now, Please, life is hard. People say, ah, life is hard. Life throws a lot of things at you. There's a lot of things coming our way, whether it's, you know, there's traumas in our life. We can go down that road and I understand. But the more I hang on to that trauma, the more that place owns me. 
I can never fulfill what God wants in my life. You may never ever stand here and preach. That's not the purpose. To be honest, if he said stop preaching tomorrow, I'd stop. Because this does not give me any kudos or any, you know what? My love for him and my relationship with him is more important than preaching up here. I'm telling you the truth. Because this is glamorous until everyone comes after you. So everyone judges every word you say. So every time you do something wrong, look at him, magnified. Come on then. We're here to serve him and only him. If it's under the car park, if it's under a tree, it's not about this. And then he says, who wants to follow me, you have to count the cost. Now people say, oh, what's Jesus saying? You know, what is it going to cost me, man? I've got no money. But look what he says here. He says, count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. The, the word here I want to do is finish it. The word there in the Greek means to complete it. Whatever you start, God wants to complete it in you. But there's a price to pay. What is that price sometimes we have to pay? I was talking to a guy once, and we're having a, an a, uh, argument about the faith, and he's from a different denomination. And we go on and to and through. And I had all these people around me, and, and they go, tell him this and tell him that and show him this scripture and show him that scripture. And I'm just sitting there quietly, because it's very hard for me to be quiet, but I'm sitting there quietly. And all I'm just waiting on the Lord, just waiting on the Lord, because they all wanted to win an argument, but I wanted to win him to Jesus. They wanted to win the argument to show how much scripture they knew and how wrong he was and blah, blah, blah. And I just sat there quietly and finally I said, and this, this is like 400 stories like this, but it goes the same way. I sat back and I said, the same measure, the same law you're using to interpret your faith against me, do you use the same law to, against yourself? So what do you believe, the, what you believe in, is it scriptural? What, are we, what was the first week we preached about here? The authority of Scripture. Anyone goes outside of Scripture, you're going outside of God's Word. You get yourself in a lot of trouble. Because there's a lot of opinions out there, but what does God's Word say? Then the last week we talked about the Gospel. It's the pure Gospel. Nothing else. No philosophies. No hocus pocus. No tapping crystals. No conjuring up spirits. It's the Gospel of freedom of Jesus Christ. True? Here, I'm saying, I want to win a soul to the kingdom instead of win an argument. And I said, to be truthful to yourself, what you're using against me about the scripture. Will you, listen to me, will you use the same measure against yourself by what you believe? Because you can't justify a thing you said in the Bible. He looked at me and said, you're right. I believe in tradition. After everyone wanted to bombard him. Because I wanted to win him to Jesus, not to win an argument. See, I want to portray Jesus to him, not Tony. Because Jesus is the one who's going to change their life, not Tony. Not you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He says, everything he's going to do, he's going to come to bring it to completion. And he says here, why would you go ahead of yourself and build something? He's talking about, he's talking about a building here, but he's actually referring to your life. If you're going to start something, count the cost, which means, are you prepared to pay a price for the foundation you're going to lay so you can build on it? The biggest thing you need to know first is, are you consistent enough to be faithful in what God's given you? I know people, I can write a book about how many people have had a massive encounter with Jesus. And I believe in encounters. 
My walk with Jesus has to be experiential. I have to experience it because no one can steal my testimony from me. You can steal my theology. You might be smarter than me. You might have a background PhD in theology. You might have a degree, but no one can touch. No one can steal the encounter I had with Jesus. That's me and him. I know what I've seen. I've seen what I've felt. I've felt what I've got. I'm standing here today 21 years later because of what I've got. But if I just lived on an experience and never grew in the things of the Spirit, guess what? That experience, I'll be still talking about it today. You should have seen what happened to me 21 years ago. Wow. Remember I say this analogy? It's like me showing my baby photo. That's the day I was born. <laughs> I'm 53 years old. Guess what? Look, that's the day I was born, bro. Wasn't I cute? I think you're a weirdo, mate. He's 53, still showing baby photos. But some of us, our walk is like that. I had an experience, but that's as far as I got. I don't want just an experience. I want obedience. To be led by him. Next week's message is about being led by the Spirit. He has count the cost. Because you don't want to be mocked, the Bible says. Now, he, Jesus doesn't care what people say about you. It's the devil that comes and mocks you. Because how many people have started off strong and get taken out by the enemy? See, the greatest obstacle to your walk with Jesus is not the devil and it's not God. Everyone point the finger this way. Me. Oh, thanks, Chris. Me, is it? I'm going to name and shame everyone now. But I want to share something with you. And there's about four points I want to give you today. If you want to walk with Jesus, there's some four, there's 24, but four I'm going to mention about being, be careful you're not trapped in to take you out of your walk. I'm going to share them through these Philippians. So, AJ. Philippians 1, verse 3 to 18. It's a bit long, and then we're going to break it down, but I really want him to read because I'll just confuse you. Ready, please, Mr. Music. Yes, no pressure. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think, this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are, set, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? 
only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Amen. The Apostle Paul, he is in jail. He's the leader. He's going from place to place preaching, setting up churches, training up disciples, training up leaders. And now he's saying, listen, I thank God for you. And I bring you in prayer that you guys are still fellowshipping and standing firm in the faith because something could happen to you if your pastor or your leader or someone in authority in your life doesn't do the right thing. The first thing you can do is walk away. And he's giving them, you are still actively in your faith even though I'm not with you. I'm not with you. Because some would say, well, hang on. If Paul was anointed, why is he in jail? If Paul was anointed and God's doing God's will, why is he in jail? He's saying, but no, you guys are standing firm in the faith. That's the first thing. Then he says here in my heart, and he goes, the work that God start, he will bring it to completion. Just like when Jesus said, count the cost before you build. Make sure you know what it's cost you and what you're prepared to pay for in the sense of what are you prepared to lay down to build your life on him so you can have that peace that passes all understanding. Everyone wants peace. Everyone wants a heart healed. And everyone wants a magic wand fixed. But guess what? We are from the five-minute noodle family. We just put it in the microwave for five minutes. You get little two-minute noodles now. F45, only 45 minutes. You know, when I train for, I want to start a gym called F5. Come in, warm up and go home. That's it. That's my type of gym. We want everything quickly and no one's willing to pay a price to build on the foundation that Paul has already laid. And he's saying here, I mean chains. And what the enemy meant for evil, God's turning for good because I'm in chains. You've got to understand where he is, guys. You think your life's bad. He's in a sewer pit. Sewer, their punishment in those days was in a pit in sewer. Septic tank. In chains. And he's saying, be of good cheer. We can all do all things through Christ who strengthen us. We read that, we put it on our band and we watch boxers do it and footballs and I've done it, so I'm not having a go at them. But do they know he's in jail? He's telling us, why? Why could he say that? Because he was free. He wasn't living anymore. Christ in him, the hope of glory was living in him. He He knew what it meant to die to himself, that Christ may live. He says, this has actually turned out pretty good. Like, huh? It's turned out pretty good. Why? Because now our name's getting all around the jail and around the city that Christ is preached. He's in jail and he's telling everyone how good Jesus is and how good his life is. We're out of jail and we're bound like we're in jail. Remember he said he, he's staying away from offense, that you're not offended, that you forgive, that you love, keep going. And it's interesting, he says, it says here that there are some that preach the gospel. Can we go up to that one? Some preach the gospel with their selfish ambitions. In other words, there's some preachers out there in envy and strife. Envy could be jealousy, strife that cause trouble because they've got the word of the Lord for themselves. We're right, you're wrong, but they preach the truth. People get saved, but they're in a, their heart is not in the right place. Here he's saying whether they do it from selfish ambitions or sincerely, or do not care, as long as the gospel's preached. And it's interesting, he says here, some do it. What's the next one? Next verse, please. I'm just guessing now. Yeah, that's it. The former preached Christ through selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. You know what he was saying? 
They're doing it on purpose because of me. They're trying to rub it into me that they're preaching and they're popular now. They're famous now. They're causing divisions. And don't worry about Paul. He's in jail. I've got the word of the Lord now. He goes, to add to my affliction. And he says, doesn't bother me. You can't afflict me any more than I'm in chains. As long as the gospel's preached. You know what he knew? He knew that the word of God does not return void. Even if you're a crook, the word of God doesn't corrupt you. You could be a crook and get people saved and you go to hell. That's what he was saying. You're not going to add affliction to me. They do it in spite of him. Because when he came out of jail, they went running, these preachers. Why? He had an authority on him that unlike anyone else. Because he knew what it was to pay the price. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that's a lot about a preacher, but I'm not a preacher. I go, you don't have to be a preacher. Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be free? Do you want to walk in a peace like that where he's in jail and he's free? I want to walk in freedom. Who wants to walk in freedom? What's the gospel mean? Good news. Do you know the good news that Jesus loves you and he set you free? And your life is no longer your own. People say, oh, what do you mean? It means that I want to live through him. I want to be like him. He's the lover of my soul. And he says here, look at this, he says, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense, whether you're selfish or you have a motive or in truth, Christ is preached. It's all about Christ Jesus. It's not about what you can do for him. It's about what he's done for you. You see, what I wrote down here, the first thing we need to do to be a disciple is die to ourselves. Die to myself. The longer Tony lives, Christ does not live. But the more Tony dies, Christ lives in me. The more I die, the more of him lives. Now that might sound stupid to some people, but is it? Look at this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, 25, 24 to 25. Jesus said to these disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever who loses his life for my sake will find it. The second thing we need to do is come to completion. Whatever you started, don't you want to come to completion? Whatever you're trying to achieve in your life, don't you want it to come to completion? Look at this. Is. Philippians 2, 12, 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in both to will to do for his good pleasure. In other words, if I die to myself, God will show me his will and he will help me and guide me to get through. And you might be thinking, I don't want to do anything but just live. He goes, he'll help you live. He'll let you get over traumas. He'll let you get over fears, offence. You know, why should your past dictate your future? Why should what I've been through or what I've believed in my past or did in my past dictate where I go? We have, we're living so much like this when we should be living that way. See, sometimes when you're going somewhere, you, you're not there yet, but you can see it. Who is going on holidays? You can't wait to get there. And you're on the road or on the plane. You just, but you're there. You just, oh, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. Why? You're excited because you're, you're not there yet, but you're on your way. That's what it should be like serving Jesus. Amen. Get excited about how much he's done for you. Amen. 
I can have a, a list of how many things are wrong in my life. I just choose not to accept it. I'm not denying it. I just don't want to live there. The third thing is your affliction. Acts 20, 23. And it says this. Now, this is how dead this guy is, Paul. This is Paul speaking. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except, he doesn't know what's going to go on, but this way, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations are awaiting me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count them like dear to me and myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received through the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I might get arrested in this city. And he's warned me that there's some things that are going to happen. But either way, I do not care because my life's not my own. I'm just going to go testify to the show of Jesus. Wow. Don't let your affliction or what could come against you stop you from going further in the gospel that, you're, that God's given you. Whether it's your life, your marriage, your children, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't, don't give up and say, this is not going to work. They're not going to listen. Keep praying and believing. That's your job. The outcome is God's. Don't give up. The minute you stop praying, you've lost. The fourth thing, get over man's opinion. Get over what people think about you. Get over what you think about yourself. Jesus was doing a miracle here. Let's go. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he was in, the, in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name. When they saw the what? The signs which, they, which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. Another translation says this. I didn't take and give myself to the, to the likes and the pats on the back and the cheers because I know what's in man's heart. I know what's in your heart. Because, yeah, Jesus, you did something for us. You give us a miracle. Crucify him. Don't, can I, can I set you free? Don't worry about the likes on your Facebook. Don't worry about the likes on your, when you post something. Because that false like is not going to change your life. Because those same people that you getting the thumbs up, tomorrow will go like this. <laughs> don't care sorry let me rephrase that I would love for you to like me but it's not necessary and then I say that arrogantly I say, I'm a people's person but what you think about me doesn't determine my future do not care what you say do not care what you think do not care see I want to be like Jesus I want you to like me but that's not the purpose because here he's saying why would I get your recommendation? Because tomorrow you can backstab me. And today I can probably backstab you. And look around the room. I think we've had some knife throwing in. <laughs> oh, don't say that. No, we're human beings. Come on, somebody. What I'm trying to get to here is this. What comes out of your mouth is coming out of your heart. I sit with someone 10 minutes, I don't know where their heart is. Because you know what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. Here he's saying he didn't give himself or he didn't trust himself into man, into man's hands because he knew what was in man's heart. In other words, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, get over the fact that you're going to be liked. Don't go out of your way to be hated because so there's some theories out there. If you're liked and you're popular, you're from the devil. No, 
What he's saying is the words that you speak will upset people. The gospel upsets and offends people. But my job isn't to go and offend you for the sake of offending you. You might be offended. Someone might get offended with the word of the Lord that Jesus offended everybody. But it's not, that's not the motive. The motive is this, that whether they like you or don't like you, whether you put, see, I had this young guy come up with me once years ago and he wanted to start a podcast. His heart was all in the right place, but his timing was out. He wanted to argue with this guy, that guy. You know, he got so, man, the enemy just took him out because he wasn't willing to be discipled. And the sad thing is, he couldn't handle the rejection of people. <laughs> what do you do? They go having a fight with someone if you can't. It's always good when you share the gospel and everyone loves it and they get saved. It's, who's been there? It's so good, man. I could write a book on all the miracles and all the words of knowledge I got. And it's so exciting. And then it's a bit harder when I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, come on, we want your spirit to move, healing signs and wonders. And, and I'm praying for that and I'm believing for that and we're seeing it. You just want more. And the Lord said to me, are you ready for the persecution that comes with it? No way I was ready. I was a kid in the, in the Lord. Because it comes with persecution. I didn't have the understanding or the authority to walk in that the way I wanted to. And I thank God I had elders that held me back. So I don't do. Because you know what the, the issue is? The issue is you go before your time. You don't just hurt yourself and dust yourself. Oh, well, that was a mistake. You hurt other people around you. That's the sad thing. Everyone knows someone that's not in church because someone in church did something wrong. True? A pastor, a preacher, a leader, an elder, someone. Why? Because someone went before their time and got hurt. Now, it goes twofold. Some people get offended with everything. They are offend, uh, offense magnets. And some people go out to offend. But we are in the kingdom of God and we need to be discipled by Christ so we can be just like him. Not just in word, but in deed. Why? Because God's taken us somewhere, amen? See, God's not looking just for the experience. He's looking for obedience. I had this down. Did, I, did you just get that last? But I want to encourage you. Go The one... Uh, yeah, yes, yes, that's the one. Paul saying this. Paul did a bit of a rundown. For the sake of Christ, I've been whipped. No, I got it. I've been whipped with the Jewish whip. Forty lashes less one, five times. So he was whipped thirty-nine times. Every time was the maximum you can get if you was thirty-nine lashes, five times. He is. I've been shipwrecked. I've been imprisoned. I've been accused. I've been stoned. I've been left out to the city to die. He's going through his whole rundown. And he says, but who shall separate us from the love of God Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Next verse. As is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors. Everyone say more than conquerors. Through whom? Who? Him who loved us. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. What he's saying here, doesn't matter what you're going through. Don't allow what you're going through to take you away from his love because he always still loves you. You can go through hell and back. He's still with you. 
He loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to train you. He wants to teach you. He wants to restore you. But don't let all these things. Tribulation could be, you know, nakedness could be money problems, marriage problems, work problems, children problems, family problems. Could be any of that. Stand firm in the knowledge that He loves you no matter what. Mother Teresa, I wouldn't do this for a million dollars, but for the love of my Lord, I do it. Love covers a multitude of sin. So the discipleship, the paying the price, pay, uh, counting the cost, is not so much I need to give up everything. It's about what I'm prepared to lay down so I can receive everything God has for me. And it's a process. It's a process. Every day I die a little bit more. I often say this analogy, how do I die to myself? Well, in many different ways we die. When I'm young, it's about me, do what I want. Then I met my wife, we got married, a part of me died, part of her died so we could become one. And you think, oh yeah, we got that worked out and then you have a kid. Oh, another part of us dies. Now it's a kid involved now. Things I want to do, I can't do anymore because then you have a second kid. And the third, what happens is a part of us dies so something can live. The marriage can live. The family can live. So a part of me dies that he may live. Well, see, every time Christ touches your heart, he wants to heal your heart. Who knows life's not fair? No one's saying it is. But you know, in the Jewish culture, there's no such word as fair. Fair doesn't come into the equation. No one can come up to a rabbi and say, it's not fair. Goes, what does that mean? We don't have a word for that. No such thing in the Jewish culture as teenagers. You go from a child to an adult. What, what, are, we, what are they trying to say here? Because we like to put little obstacles in our way and justify our... But you know what God's saying? If you only bow your knee to me, and I'll pluck out everything that's not of me, and I'll put my heart in you, and I'll lift you up. We're his body, he's the head. Amen? This might be a bit deep for some people, but what I'm trying to get at is here that God has not forgotten us. God doesn't say, come to me, let everything go, and then, you know, it's like, how do you teach someone to swim? Just throw them in the water? Oh, they'll eventually learn. They'll drown. God's not doing that to us. God is saying, my spirit, I'm putting in you. I'm regenerating your inner man. I'm getting the devil out of your life. I'm putting my spirit in your life. I'll give you my word to teach you and I'll walk, I'll walk alongside you as a loving father. The father's love will sustain you. I can say in 21, going on to 22 years, the power of the Holy Spirit hasn't sustained me and the power of manifestations hasn't sustained me. My experience hasn't sustained me. My knowledge of the Bible has not sustained me. It's the love of the father that sustained me. His love for me. Take the Bible, take the ministry, take, and I will stand firm in how much he loves me. And out of that love, for God so loved the world, what did he do? Did the Bible say God so condemned the world? God so loved the world that he... Everyone sounds like Joe Biden then. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to whoever should believe in him shall not perish. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. You know why the world's already condemned? 
Jesus is coming to save us from condemnation. And we want to live in condemnation. <laughs> For God so loved the world. It's his love that sustains us. But the question I have for you, where's your commitment? Where's your consistency? Do you want to be discipled by him? The Bible says he's your teacher, that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He teaches us. How can a man, because it blows my mind, because I read, we've been reading the book of Acts, and everywhere he went, there was persecution, hatred, this, that, that. And all he was sharing is the love of God, and nothing fazed him. He got beaten up once, left for dead, the Bible says, and got up and went back into the city. What, are you a glutton for punishment? Like, he was dead to him because the love of Jesus, he knew enough that even though you hate me, you need the Jesus I have. Wow, isn't that a love of God? Even though you hate me, and even though you don't want it, but what I have you need, you need Jesus to set you free. That's how we have to be. And that might not, you might not be called to do what he's done. You might, not be, you might not have the issues that he had, but you still have to stand firm in his faith, in the faith that God has given you. Amen? This is, I want to dig in and say, enough is enough, man. Enough is enough. When are you going to build faith? When someone's sick? Or something happens to a family member? All of a sudden, you're going to try and find faith? No, no. It's not that hard to open up your word and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. We come along, we help you, we edify you, but we're accountable to one another. He protects us. We're a family. But God is looking for a people that are willing to serve him no matter what. It's when good people are silent. See, it's not what Adam did in the garden that caused sin to enter the world. It's not what Adam did. Whose fault was it? If you say Eve, you're wrong. And that's what you're thinking. It's, nothing's changed. What have you done, Adam? It's this woman you gave me. You gave it to me. It's her fault. You know what God said? The Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned. It's not what Adam did that caused sin in the garden. Guess what? It's what Adam didn't do. He didn't protect his wife. Tell the enemy, get out. Shut the gate. I'm controlling this. It's not what he did, it's what he didn't do. See, sometimes our absence of, or a lack of it, a lack of obedience can cause more issues than the enemy can do. It's the fact that I know what's right, but I will not stand for righteousness. See, a man's got to lead his family. He's the protector. He's the gatekeeper. And we don't live in a perfect world. But ultimately, the, 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 the Spirit of God is the same. He trains us all in the way we should go. You know, in the scripture, train a child in the way he should go. When they go, they don't depart. And we get, we get this idea that we train our child and they're never going to depart. That's not true. What he's saying is train a child in the way they should go. In other words, the word of God can be trained in them. The younger that you put the word in, the less chance for them to fall away. That doesn't mean they won't fall away. I heard this great statement. I was sharing it today with Tone and, and, and AJ. It said, the old preacher said this. While God's knocking on your heart today, don't harden your heart. Because he said, this is what he said. 
The same sun that melts the snow is the same sun that hardens the mud. Let me say it again. The same sun, let's speak of it this way. The God that can melt the snow to bring rain, water and, 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 and flourish the, is the same sun that can harden the, the mud that you can't plant nothing in it. In other words, if you're rejecting the word of the Lord, you walk in the fence. You don't, you know, there will come a time where your heart will be so hard that God can't even penetrate it. Same word, same God. Pharaoh, then a plague. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Finally, the Bible says, God hardened his heart. People say, that's cruel. No, God gave him over to what he wanted. In other words, the same sun that melts the snow is the same sun that hardens the heart. Same sun. See, seek him when you can find him. The Bible says, work while there's light, because when it gets dark, all these scriptures about, he's knocking on your heart. Don't reject him. Because what are you receiving? Some people say, oh, I'm not rejecting Jesus. No, if you don't receive him, you've rejected him. A non-decision is a decision. But he's coming, tapping on you with love and mercy. I can change your life and make you and put you in places you'd never dreamed of. That's up to you. The same sun that can melt the snow is the same sun that can harden the mud. The same Bible that I can be free of is the same Bible that can judge me. The same Bible that can give me life is the same Bible that can take my life. It's up to your heart. It's true, man. Go and talk to an old person that's got bitterness from, from young age and haven't let go of it and see how their whole life's turned out. Think about it. And if God's tapping on your heart now to release some things, or to be obedient. See, God is talking to everyone. God is not silent. God doesn't need me to talk to you. God is speaking to you directly. It's whether you're receiving the message that he's giving you and you're obeying it. And some things you don't need angels from heaven to tell you. You enough and know the word? Be quick to forgive. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Forgive your brother 77, 7,000 million times. Don't leave anything for the enemy to take you out. Don't give ground to the enemy. Owe nothing but to love someone. But we don't all get this straight away. We're all work in process. And the work he started, he will bring into completion. Amen. Hallelujah. God is on your case, but he loves you. He loves you. Because the Bible is the God of the generations. You know one thing that God does? He breaks generational curses. Because he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Which means there's blessings and curses in a family. That's a subject for another day. But if I come into the line of Jesus, all curses are broken. Amen. I don't have to receive. I don't have to be like him. But your father was like this. Or your grandfather was like this. Or your grandmother was like that. Do not care that I receive from him. He's my heavenly father now. I do nothing but no. I know called not one father but my father in heaven. The blood of Jesus runs through my veins. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He is the spirit of God that lives inside of me. I don't care what the world says, but I live on the word of God. This is him who I serve. He loves you. See, if you understand, he doesn't just love you, he likes you. The Bible says that Abraham, and we can stand, I think we'll close on this. Abraham was a friend of God. The Bible says Abraham believed and he was called a friend of God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. In other words, he doesn't just love you, he likes you. 
When someone says, spend time with me, have fellowship with me. <laughs> you can say, I love you, but you don't like them. A lot of family members like each other, uh, love each other, but they don't like each other. It's not just, I don't like you. It's that some people gravitate to someone because they've got something in common. You know, the Lord wants you to have something in common with him. He wants to spend time with you because he likes you. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb and foreign, but I love it. He's my older brother. He's my best friend. He's a, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, sometimes we do things out of obligation because they're family, they're blood. But I'll tell you what, there's some things you'll tell your friend you'll never tell your brother or sister. And he's our friend. He says, Abraham was a friend of God. Are you a friend of God tonight? Are you his disciple? anyone who calls Jesus Lord is a disciple of Christ. He wants to train you in the way you should go. But don't harden your heart today. Let the Holy Spirit heal that part of your heart. Because he says to us, come to me all you are heavy lady, laden. And I'll give you rest. Our rest is in him. You want money? He'll give it to you. Doesn't give you rest. Want a relationship? He'll give you one. Doesn't give you rest. You want stuff? He'll give you stuff. Doesn't give you rest. The rest is the peace of God in him. Man was created on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, God rested. So man's first day was a day of rest. Hallelujah. It speaks of God's peace that passes all understanding. That's the truth. And sometimes your peace won't come because your peace has to come after lay it on the altar. See, everything is an Old Testament shadow of a New Testament reality. Dorian said about the um, incense, the Bakhur. They used to light the Bakhur. Why? It was a picture. The Old Testament, they used to, because it'd go up to a memorial to God. It's like, it's, it's like the prayers they're praying is going up to God. Well, the altar is a sacrifice. He says, but if you have something, get your brother, leave your offering and go and make peace. Well, I want to come to the altar of God and lay down my heart and say, Lord, what is in me that's not dead? So I can have his rest. There's no other way. I can lay hands on you. I can pray for you. I can slap you. I can put oil down your throat. And go get oil from Jerusalem. Go get a prayer cloth from... Uh... The Holy Spirit lives inside you. The anointing is within you. But... Be like that woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She risked death to be out there. She was unclean under the Jewish law. She shouldn't be out in the street, let alone touching anyone. Let alone touching a male rabbi. But she risked it all to be healed. Would you risk it all? Are you taking out every whim, every time? I've come to the conclusion, please don't take this the wrong way. Sure, I say it. Majority of the church that you really want to hear it? I'll do a rabbit. Should I tell you? No. Come next week. I'll be honest with you, from a from a from a loving father, a loving brother, majority of the church are a bunch of sooks. You get taken out by the smallest thing, you're a bunch of sooks. 
bunch of sooks. You didn't get your way. He looked at me sideways. He went, a bunch of sooks. I'm not saying you. They're here and we're not here. I'm talking about other people. No, no. We are so immature and the smallest thing bug us. And I was there. So I'm not. But we are. We, we're sooks. We're babies. We're sport brats. A pause in jail. says, you're more than a conqueror. Do we grow up? Who wants to grow up? I'm not being rude here. I'm just being real. Because when the devil knocks on your door, if I, who love you, can offend you that quick, what is the devil going to do when he knocks on your door? If I, that love you and pray for you, can offend you that quickly, what's the devil going to do to you? If you take offense to someone that loves you so well and prays for you, what's the devil going to do to you? No, no, it's time to grow up. Shake that off, amen? Come on, everyone, shake it off. Come on, shake it off. Shake it off. Come on, let's go. Fight, let's go. Come on, dude. Come on, come on. You play Rocky for me? For... No, don't do that. Sorry, I'm just trying to get it through it. Because we've got a world to, work, to win. We're not going to win people if we get... Don't get him. He doesn't look good. He's got tattoos. Don't talk to him. He's Armenian, please. Can any good come out of Syria? You know? Who else can I pick on? The Italians, don't let me start now. Greenacre, please. <laughs> Stop talking, I'll get you kicked out, right? I'm just trying to say that. Let's not get religious. Let's get in relationship. God loves us, man. He's bragging about us. The Bible says every time someone comes, he goes, we've got, we got a cloud of witnesses in heaven going, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Just, you can do it. Come on, you can do it, Doran. You can do it, Mary. You can do it. Come on, John, you can do it. They, they're cheering us on. The Bible says the cloud of witnesses going, come on, you can do this. They're waiting for the race to finish. Why? Because there's more getting saved, more getting delivered, more getting set free. Why? Because we haven't got time to muck around. We're going to bring them home. Come on, we're going to bring her home. We've got family members that we don't even know yet. I've got close people here that I would die for that I never knew it 12 months ago. Why? God brings his family home. Someone pray for me. I wouldn't be standing if someone didn't pray for me. You're here because someone prayed for you. Don't abort the mission. Don't sidetrack the mission. Stay firm in the things of God. But the love of God's going to sustain you. This is love. I planted in the love of God. You know, he told Moses, take off your sandals. It's holy ground. We think it's irreverent to have shoes on. When a soldier went to war in those days, forget what you watch on TV, they take their sandals off. Because it's too hard to grip in the dirt. They take this, so they grip their toes. Take off your sandals and grip into God now. And it's holy ground. He's going to sustain you no matter what the devil throws at you. That's what he's talking about. Amen. Give the Lord a clap. Come on. I feel like a football coach. Really. Come on, man. Let's go. But sometimes we need to be encouraged. When I'm down, I'm, I encourage myself in the Lord. I just go think of the things that he's done for me. That the, the times he's got me out of the pit when I thought there's no way. Where, where I think all hell's breaking loose on me. But I stand firm in what he's done. Because it's very easy for us to start sulking, eh? And think, woe me. You've got to shake that off, man. And say, oh, I'm more than a conqueror. That he's risen and gone before me. And there's some doors you need to close. Close them. Someone said to me, the devil's taking me through the door. He's no, he's not. You walk to it and he just kicked you through it. 
But why don't you let the Holy Spirit lead you? Next week we'll talk about the Holy Spirit leading you. <laughs> he just entered the Holy of Holies. But that door is gone somewhere else. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. My sheep hear my voice. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. Our life is not our own. You, we have been bought at a price. Father, you know every heart here today. I don't. You know what your children need. Your hand is not short. You give liberty to those who you love. You said, ask the Father in my name, he shall give you. Father, I thank you that you would heal everyone's heart that needs healing. You restore those who are broken, Father. You bring those back that belong in the kingdom with you. They'll be trained as a ready soldier. You'll give the love and mercy to people that need it, Father. You would break addictions off people that are bound. You take condemnation for those who are walking in condemnation. You deliver them into sonship, Lord, that you breathe your, the Father's love upon people, that you not lead us into temptation, but you'll deliver us from the evil one. You would ignite people's hearts again to serve their first and love, their first love. I thank you, Lord, for the word is true. You are so merciful. You are so merciful. Lift your hands up and just receive his mercy right now. Come on. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy. We thank you, Father. Just receive the mercy of God. Oh, let the love of Jesus pull upon them right now, Father. Father, those who are struggling in the mind, Father, that the work you started, you will complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, that you would give directions to those who are seeking direction. Father, that your love would pour upon us, that we would love one another as Christ loves us. For those who are struggling, they feel like they got chains. Father, you'd break those chains. I declare chains broken in the name of Jesus. I declare, Father, the orphan spirit to be dead and buried right now in Jesus' name. Jesus said, I'll never leave you as an orphan. Lord, that the ones that you're knocking on their heart, that they would open the door for you, Father. I come against false doctrine that people are, that have come under a false doctrine, a false teaching, Father, in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of sorcery in the name of Jesus. Witchcraft, I bind you in the name of Jesus and release them right now. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, right now. And that we receive right now with open arms your love right now. Ooh, what a basi, the basi, God.
Oh, hallelujah. Receive his love right now. Receive his love right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare my life is over. I die so you may live. Teach me your ways. I thank you, Lord, that you loved us, that you died on the cross for us. I repent for not believing in your word. Teach me, Lord. I bow my heart to you. I thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I want you to guide me into all truth. And from today on, I am not my own. I've been bought at a price. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. My sins have been forgiven. And then you don't remember them anymore. Because I'm a child of God. I declare Jesus is Lord over my mind, over my heart, over my spirit. And I'm seated in heavenly places. And Lord, have your way with me. Teach me your ways. Thou may stand in truth. And I thank you, Jesus, that my life now is filled with your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Empower me. And love me. And I give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I love you guys. I pray that you just get a hold of this. And no matter what you're struggling with, get before the Lord. Sit down before the Lord. If there's anyone you can be real and honest with, it's Jesus. Let Him release your heart. And let Him take you to places you'd never dreamed. Amen? Come on, everyone. Give Him a round of applause. Come on, the Lord. Hallelujah! You can be dismissed. Um, Wednesday night, we're back on. As I said, be prayerful about Pastor Celia coming as well. We'll give you more further information on what we're going, but don't let the devil rob you anymore, amen? Come on, let's go. Get out of here. I mean, fellowship. <laughs> oh, yeah.